important. I'm not important. All right, I have to wear credentials because people don't know who I am. All right, here <laughs> I we go. I have to wear credentials too, but Ready? I just don't want someone to screen grab that. Welcome to Game Theory and Money, our Super Bowl preview it's edition. Here, it's here. It's here. The, uh, the last game analysis that we will do for the foreseeable future. You can follow her, Cynthia Freeland, at C Freeland. That's F-R-E-L-U-N-D, C-F-R-E-L-U-N-D on Twitter. I'm at Matt Money Smith, and we... Lots easier to spell. A little bit. Uh, the Matt Smith part, and I think everybody knows how to spell the word money because it's arguably the most important word in the history of the world. Freeland actually, this is the only time Freeland actually makes sense because, like, we're in Minnesota, and Minnesota is where a lot of Scandinavian people moved when they came over from Scandinavia, so my Norwegian last name actually makes sense It works here. here. It works, and I'm kind of wearing, like, a Viking vest, so we're You good. look like a, uh, a Yeti. That I do. That is exactly or what a Viking. you look like. Oh, or a Viking, certainly. A little uh, viking This is different. What you are listening to, if you're here for the first time, if you're here uh, a returning uh, user, we appreciate that, a consumer of this podcast. But if you're here for the first time, Cynthia here with her big brain and her advanced degrees in predictive analytics, her MBA, they use her customized, unique to her and her alone, 10,000 simulations that will make the prediction for this upcoming game and why the Super Bowl will end uh, in the manner her model predicts it will end. So, Cynthia, uh, before we get to Mike Daniels, the great defensive tackle of the Green Bay Packers, before we get to Jalen Ramsey, uh, the cornerback for the Jacksonville Jaguars, are the elite, the best, uh, mm -hmm. two of the best at their position in the game today. Uh, let's get to this game itself. Uh, winner of the Super Bowl with a score and why? With a score of 30 to 26, your Super Bowl 52 game winners, the New England Patriots, per the model. Per the model. Yep. And you want to say that because on the Dave Damashek football program, you said the Eagles were going to win. Straight you, tummy. You said tummy. Straight tummy, not homie. Not gut. You nope. said tummy. Because it's kind of like tummy, but not. You, you know what I mean? So it's like the opposite. You were very sly and yeah. deceptive. I actually like, didn't mean to. And I don't appreciate to, but it because it fooled me. It did trick you a little bit. It made a fool of me. <laughs> All right. Why, why does the model think the Pats are going to win? All right. Let's start with New England on offense, which is the strongest indicator for why the Patriots are coming out on top. First of all, let's just talk about Brady. I looked into a lot about the Pats' O-line. I looked at a lot about Brady under pressure because two of the narratives you hear on TV right now Talking about the Pats O-line, they allowed the most quarterback hits, 40 of them, and the eighth highest pressure rate, but it didn't result in sacks. They only had one game where they allowed more than four sacks. So Cameron Fleming, the right tackle, this one's going to be one to watch. He did have a good game against the Jags, but remember who wasn't playing in that one, that big guy with the deep voice who went to the U, who's very, very good at rush rushing opposing quarterbacks. His name is obviously Calais Campbell. Never heard of him. Never, he never heard of him. We well, should maybe have heard that. Yeah. This should be he should he projects to line up against Derek Barnett in this one. So that's going to be an interesting matchup to watch in terms of if the Eagles it can can really pressure Brady where it kind of means the most. So he was the best the the season's best passer under pressure, ninety six point six passer rating, fifty five and a half um, completion percentage, nine touchdowns, two interceptions. But I'm going to warn you here, Fletcher Cox with that we talked about it last week is thirteen percent pressure rate, which is number two in the league, Brandon Graham, Michael Kendricks, all of these guys kind of think about them in the middle and then Brandon Graham a little bit more on the outside. These could be problems in his face. The uh, the interesting thing for Brady when you just look at the statistical measurements, um, 
he is, like you said, the most pressured. He has the best numbers against pressure. He is, I believe, the least sacked quarterback against That's pressure. what I'm saying. It doesn't result right. in sacks. So only, four, only one game where there's more than four sacks in the single game. How do you reconcile it? You reconcile it by It's where looking, it's coming from. Well, you look at 20 years of tape on Tom Brady, and it's the way he maneuvers in the pocket. He is not someone that needs to roll out and go 20 yards from the center of the pocket toward a sideline in order to extend a play. He is the greatest in the history of football at maneuvering the pocket in six-inch movements. You're right. And he just tick, 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 moves in that confined space while keeping his eyes downfield, and that's how he does it. And it, it is a you know, to take the El Pacino uh, speech, it is a game of inches, and he is so dominant at getting those inches to work in his favor when bodies are flying all around him, and he's got open men downfield because teams have brought pressure. Or producer, an extra defense. When we were coming up with the rundown, producer producer John has kind of standout stats after, but I'm gonna put I'm gonna sneak one in here too, and it's the pressure and sacks amount. So the Pats O line allowed eleven point six pressures per game, so it's the eighth lowest. The Eagles defense generates seventeen pressures per game, the most in the NFL. You wanna look at this number. The number is forty percent. You ready? So in the two Giants losses in the Super Bowl, Brady was pressured over 40% of the time. In their five wins, under 40% of the time. So is the pressure able to get to Brady? And Brady's season pressure rate was 31%. But I'm going to tell you the reason why this pressure from the Eagles is a little different is because they're doing it without blitzing. So they're only bringing four and they're able to generate so much pressure with just four. That's a huge difference maker. So and that's what Jacksonville was able exactly. to do. Exactly. Yeah. And then that's when, when you see that 40% rate for Brady with the pressures and then you see they're not doing it using the blitz so they can defend against those short passes to the running backs or, you know, shorter passes in general. That's where you could mess up Tom Brady. And also the way to mess him up is, you know, what what I just detailed of how he maneuvers inside the pocket. You can't maneuver inside the pocket when the pressure is coming straight up the gut right. uh, into the pocket, and that's what Fletcher Cox does, and that's why he and Aaron Donald are two of the most disruptive forces, and that goes for ends or tackles just because they bring pressure in a different manner, and it makes it very, very hard um, because it's not what you're used to. You're used to those edge rushers leading, you know, if you're Tom Brady, to climb the pocket. Um, and in this case, it's pressure pushing you out of the pocket. And really, what is Tom Brady's comfort zone? Right. So if you look at who he's going to throw it to, then extending from Brady. So I called it like receivers and tight ends because obviously the running backs do some of the pass catching as well in this one. But starting with the receivers and pass catchers that are, you know, tight ends or, or receivers, Cook's 16.6 yards per reception is the most for any wide receiver in the Tom Brady history. He has 17 deep receptions, which led the NFL. But one of the more key points on him is the fact that Cook's has drawn the most deep defensive pass interferences. So he had seven DPIs that he that were called uh, on him or on the guy covering him. Six of them were 20-plus yard attempts. That makes a huge difference. In fact, Jalen Ramsey, we, he kind of references this. We've seen it in playoff games. Those DPIs, that's the second thing that's one of those signature stats that could be the key to the game is kind of what is the effect of penalties. We can talk about it more in depth, um, like in general on that one. But for me – Brandon Cooks, especially on those deep passes, an interesting one. And that's where you're not only valuable because you can take the top off a of defense, you're valuable because when you're one of the fastest players in the league, 
a lot of corners or safeties have to hold on to you to get you to slow down. And, and that is just as good as a completion, and we certainly saw that in the AFC Championship uh, against the Jaguars. So we, do, we don't know exactly who's going to line up against him, but Jalen Mills lines up left 81% of the time during the regular season. Jalen Mills, so Eagles defensive back, nine touchdowns allowed, which is the most for any quarterback in the league this year, including playoffs. So my model has Cooks seeing the end zone in this one and kind of being a difference maker. And when he doesn't line up against Mills, it's probably Ronald Darby, who Jalen Ramsey also talked about, his teammate. Um, he actually had the, the highest target rate for any cornerback this year. He was targeted on one out of every four and a half pass plays. Every that's a lot. Yeah. I would say they were picking on Ronald Darby. I, I would think so, too. Moving on to Danny Amendola. Okay, so he lines up in the slot 82% of the time. 24% of the time that he's in the slot, he gets targeted. So a quarter of the time when he's in the slot, and he's almost always in the slot, the target's going to him. He's going to line up against Patrick Robinson. Patrick Robinson allowed the second lowest passer rating to slot receivers on the season, sub-60. It's like 59.1. This could mean, and we talk about playoff Amendola, we talk about all those things, that it probably won't be when Amendola's in the slot where he has the most success because you're not going to want to pick on Patrick Robinson. He's great. And then, of course, there's that other guy. He's very big. We know him. His name is Gronk. and Kind of hard to cover. A little bit. Gronk will likely be covered by Malcolm Jenkins, who had a 91.4 passer rating when when people were targeted in his coverage. It's actually the highest among the Eagles starting defensive backs. The thing to watch. I would hope so. Yeah. If there's someone higher than that, my goodness. Yeah, that's not ideal. The thing to watch about Gronk is watch from the line of scrimmage. We talk about the impact of penalties on this game, and I'm going to reiterate that in a second. But Gronk right from the line of scrimmage, if you're going to mess the, you're going to mess up the connection with Rob Gronkowski, if you're going to neutralize him, those hits right from the line of scrimmage, those if it depends on how the ref's calling. We're, we're going to go into this in a minute, but right from the line of scrimmage, are they bumping him, are they chipping him, and who's getting what call? Is they me- Are they messing up his route, or are the refs calling the game where those holds and those penalties really influence the outcome? And that's something to remember about that, Jackson. Bill, uh, New England AFC Championship game is that a large portion of it was played without the hardest weapon to guard in all of football, Rob Gronkowski. We expect him to be back for this game, and he is, you know, to take the the phrase from Dave Damashek, the Jenga piece mm-hmm. of, you know, when you take quarterbacks out of the mix, you know, it, it just changes everything. I mm-hmm. mean, it is a one-man wrecking crew for a defense because uh, it's kind of like the Steph Curry effect, right? Once you commit to the idea that I now have to guard this guy the second he steps over half court, it messes up the rest of your defense. Same with Gronk. If I have to come in an extra defender or if I know that my corner's not big enough or my linebacker's too slow, the other ten guys or nine guys, if you have to double them, it's just that trickle-down effect, and that's one of the hardest things to figure out for, for Jim Schwartz and the Eagles, as good as their defense is. You said Steph Curry. Now I just can remember, like, you know, even Steph Curry throws up all those bricks two nights ago, or was it two nights ago or last night, whatever. Anyways, that was that was an interesting one, right? Yeah. Like, how do you neutralize Gronk? Well, you're going to see right from the line of scrimmage, are they calling the are they calling all of those holds or not? And then for running backs, obviously Deion Lewis is the one I spent the most time looking at, even though James White will have an impact, likely Burkhead. Like, It'll end up being like a Rex Burkhead. Or you, you it's going to be like, right, goes. right. It's like, um, Last let's year it was James White. This year right. it'll be Burkhead. Maybe it'll be James White again. Who knows? But anyway, yeah. so really what you want to look for is, you know, yards after the catch, yards after contact per rush. In terms of yards after contact per rush, Lewis ranks number three. He has 3.17, so 3.2 yards out of every rush on average are coming after he's been first contacted and he's number two at forcing tacklers to miss. So that reflects both yak catch and yak con like contact. 
Yards after contact. Uh-huh, both yards of them. after catch. Two yaks. Two yaks. Lots of yaks. All right, let's get to uh, the other side. Okay. And, and that Philadelphia offense led by Nick Foles. And look, the guy's got five touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, he threw it all over the yard against Yad. a very good Vikings defense. Did. He, I mean, they had a 71.2% third down, yeah. you know, conversion rate. I mean, and this is someone who led the league in passer rating a few seasons back when he and Andy Reid were together. So it's not like it can't be done. He's the, shown he's done it before. So Nick Foles, I spent a lot of time trying to understand why in certain games when he's under pressure. So they like we all look at his pressure stat and it looks just wildly different than when he's not under pressure. But by the way, almost every quarterback has a very significant <laughs> difference between pressure and not pressure. But Foles' variance with pressure is super interesting to me because, like, how are they trying to – like, what's causing it? Like, in Oakland, that was week 16, he did not look great. And Oakland's defense was – I mean, they won that game, but it, it was – that's just – it was confounding. Whereas in – versus the Minnesota game, it just it looked like two different people that we were seeing. I mean, Khalil Mack, obviously, a wonderful pass rusher for Oakland, but, like – Yeah, I mean, what makes a great quarterback? You know, consistency. Right. It's one of the – you know, and that's perhaps where Foles, while mm-hmm. talented, big, big arm, smart guy, consistency is probably what's held him back from being a full-time starter in this league. I mean, and I guess that's just what my answer would be. Yeah, he's good enough to, to – you know, show that he has the ability to win games, you know, yep. in, in the moment. Single yep. games, he can have the game that he had against the Giants when he first came in or against the, the Vikings in the NFC Championship. Can he string a bunch of them together? So, he, he, exactly. So, I've been looking to see, like, the average quarterback, like, kind of a fifth of the time uses play action. Foles uses it about a third of the time. Um, which is the highest rate in the NFL. And if you look, obviously, the, you know, we talk about RPOs. So I looked into kind of a little bit more on the why we're seeing an almost 94% completion percentage when he, you know, when they when they do the RPO, anything related to the RPO. Run pass option. <laughs> Run pass option, sorry. Um, I should level set that. Um, and it's a 32% increase from when there's all other non-RPO throwing downs, passing downs. It's interesting to me because this was really crystallized it for me. Like, Pats allow the fifth most yards per play against RPOs, 5.6. That was a – that if they can get Foles going in that nice rhythm where we see closer – I don't know about a 94% completion percentage because that's unsustainably high. But if you can get that in the 70s, that's how they really keep this game close or pull off the upset. You think that they're going to do it? Well, I mean, I think that's – you know, we, we all have faith in the Eagles' defense. Right. We all believe in the run game. We know that the, the Pats' defense – now, granted, it's a tale of two halves, but at the first half of the season, they did not do a good job right. of slowing down the run. They got better, yep. but we certainly saw the Jags have some success against them in that first half as well. Um, to me, that's like what it comes down to yep. is, you know, when whatever adjustments they make, whatever they're able to do, and they've done it forever with Bill Belichick, uh, when they come out of that that locker room at halftime, uh, if the Eagles can sustain, I suspect it's just going to be a very close game because the defenses are just too good, I think, for this to be a blowout. So when I looked at, like, New England's defense in terms of, like, New England's defense is notorious for playing multiple fronts. Like it's very hard to, you know, the, if you look at their personnel, it's like nothing's more than 22%. They don't play anything kind of overwhelmingly more than another thing. So looking at it, it's really interesting. There's only like one player who really is top rated over the course of the season, and it's Jalen Ramsey's favorite, Stephon Gilmore. But Trey Flowers, who is ranked 
15th by PFF, has been able to generate pressure at a rate that would have broken the top 10 over the past five, six game, five or six games. So he has been playing better later. We've been able to see the impact of Trey Flowers um, more lately. And his matchup against Lane Johnson, that right tackle, that could be one of the key difference makers in this game. Lane Johnson is excellent in pass pro, so great at, at stopping people from getting in the quarterback's face uh, and passing downs. However, we don't know where he's going to line up. Flowers lined up all over the line. He's been on the left. He's been on the right. We've seen him all over the place. And if you look at the rest of that Philadelphia O-line, Jason Kelsey is amazing. Brandon, it's, he's the center. Brandon Brooks, the right guard, didn't allow a sack all season long. And, of course, Lane Johnson on the right. So the right side's really sound. It, it could be maybe on the other side that you have. Um, maybe you put Trey Flowers on the left and the guy, Vitae, and you give him, you know, who is probably the lowest ranked on their team. Yeah, and you have uh, an offense that has really, I mean, even when Carson Wentz was making a run at the MVP, was, was so impressive in the run game. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't a single back. It was rotating fresh legs, carry after carry. It was blunt, and then they trade for a jai. It was small wood. It was clement. I mean, it's, it's really impressive, and there is something to be said about having guys that can carry the ball uh, and if you need them to be a single, you know, bell cow back, they can. But Doug Peterson doesn't use it that way. He opts for those fresh legs, and it so works. So I knew you were going to say that. So I looked into, and then I also made research, like, look into, too, to see how many, what happened on the R part of RPOs and the difference between Wentz and Foles with the R part, so the right. run. And the answer is not much different at all. Which is so the incredible. The are still about the same. This split, well, they're they're running, they're, you know, they're using RPOs more often, but the percentage of run in the RPO right. part is still the same. It's just, you know, obviously more volume means more overall volume, but like the percentage, the splits, and, I mean, I think and the results. They trust Nick Foles. You it's know? just amazing. But yeah. it, I was I was expecting because visually it looked to me like the run game with Ajay, you see him breaking more tackles, but that's it. That's not. What, I was shocked that it hasn't. That speaks very highly of their personnel being able to figure out a way with the coaching to schematically get that R part to work in the RPO so well in both cases. And, and I know that uh, that Zach Ertz is not Gronk, but he's pretty darn good. You know, Zach Ertz, he's, he's I think he's a little good. underrated. I mean, oh, we yeah. all talk about Gronk, but Ertz to me might be more impactful in this game. Not because, you know, Gronk's a huge target, but Ertz's ability, what we saw him be able to do against the Vikings on third down, where Vikings were best in the NFL on third down, Ertz was able five of his eight completions in that game were on third down, moved the chains, kept everything going. It may have not resulted in like the splashes play or like a, you know the t touchdown in the end zone when they like really needed. It. They didn't need any more touchdowns in that game. But you know what I'm saying? It's like it wasn't like a you know key ending touchdown, but it was like these consistent third down, third down, third down, create first downs, keep it going. That's interesting. And by the way, he's going to line up against Patrick Chung, who was the most targeted safety in all of the NFL this year, which could tell you something because. Maybe other people have schemed against Patrick Yeah, Chung. he's very good. I mean, Chung's he's good, a really but good safety. Uh, and, and, you know, look, they have legitimate pass catchers. You know, ever yeah. since they moved Nelson Aguilar to the slot, he's been great. Uh, he has the most touchdowns in the slot in the NFL this yeah. season. So, so third most know, receptions, third most yards. He's pretty good. I would say that. It's uh, <laughs> for, for whatever reason, maybe just could not deal with press. And you put him in the slot, and it's a lot easier. And Aguilar yeah. has been effective. And Alshon Jeffrey obviously was a number one receiver in Chicago, and he carried that over. He needed a perfect uh, game, seriously. 158.3 passer rating for Foles when targeting Jeffrey. He has 11 receiving touchdowns on the season. He will line up against Stephon Gilmore. Gilmore will likely shadow him. And Gilmore did not allow any receiver to have more than 70 yards or five receptions against him in the season in a single game, just so everyone knows. 
the Aguilar note that I have here. So first of all, Eric Rowe is likely the cornerback that will line up against him, who allowed over 20 yards per reception in the slot. That's the most of all slot receivers on this season. I was surprised that that was the case in New England. Um, and I want to talk about the jet sweep, those two playoff jet sweep plays that we've seen with Aguilar. That could be something. It would happen most likely on first down. If they need a trick, that could be the trick that gives them a little treat. Can you really trick Bill Belichick? can try. Sure. I'm just, it just seems like that's the one guy that, you know, and the, the funny thing is, is they're, you know, the Patriots are the team that always pulls one of those plays out, you know, in every one of their big games. We saw it in, you know, granted it didn't work because Deion Lewis fumbled, but if you go back through their history, you will see the Pats pulling out some sort of trickery at some point if they need it in a big game. I um, think, but I think Philadelphia is not above that either. Yeah, sure. I and mean, by look, the way, Blunt, it's not like a jet sweep is all that crazy for someone as fast as Aguilar. I mean, a track I, athlete is one of the great track schools in the nation. So, yeah, I mean, use it. Use the speed. You know, get the guy in space because that's where he excels. Clearly that's the case because he's been in the slot and you get a little bit more of that open field. And then I just a level set here with the running backs. Blunt. Yards after contact per rush, number one in the NFL, 3.56. So 3.6 yards of each rush are after contact. Number four in forcing opposing tackles missed. So Blunt and Lewis both kind of have a similar profile in terms of ability to create yards after contact and ability to force opposing tacklers to miss. And, of course, JJ on the screen pass. That's something that you can see see very easily when you watch the games. So we already shared with everyone, your tummy tells you Eagles. As you described it. <laughs> my tummy says Eagles. My math, math says Patriots by four. So what should the people listening to Game Theory and Money, a podcast built around your model, your 10,000 simulations, what would you like them to take away from this? I would like them to think about 40%. Like I said, in the two Giants losses, Brady was pressured more than 40% of the time. In their five wins, under 40% of the time, including last year against the Falcons overall. Not by, qu- not by quarter and not by half, but overall. And... Brady's season pressure rate, 31%. Just so you know, that's significantly more if you're going up over 40. But you need to also, here's here's the math. It's 40% pressure or more, but they have to do it with under 20% blitz. Got it? So the league average in blitzing is 30% of the time. If the Eagles can manage to get pressure on Brady over 40% of passing plays and do it without using the blitz, that could be the upset. That's, that's why the, the tummy. That's why so the I tummy happens. So I think what happens. you're saying is – uh, get yourself two of those like amusement park counters, and uh, in one you're you're clicking off when they get pressure, yep. and in the other one you're clicking when they get pressure. If they, if they rush five, with just yep. five, if or with five or just four. Yeah, Shake with four. Pick. Yep. Right. And then I want to also talk about the impact of penalties really quick. So Gene Steratore, this is his first Super Bowl. Um, Gronk from the line of scrimmage. If they're getting, if they're calling those holds on people defending Gronk or attempting to defend Gronk, that could change the difference. That can be a difference maker in the game. The Pats have the seventh fewest penalties committed, seventh most for the Eagles. The Pats, so only one penalty against the Jags. That was people talked about that a lot. Defenses committed the most penalties when facing the Pats offense, 58 in the regular season, for the most yards. Part of that, like I told you, is the Gronk, everything. And the other part of that, the Brandon Cooks, those long defensive pass interferences. And opposing offenses were penalized 39 times against the Eagles during the regular season, sixth fewest. So, again, they gotta got to keep, keep this all in mind. And when you're watching the penalties, if they're not kind of going even, then that could be one that makes a big difference. And my very last note before we put a cap on, on the math Please. of the actual season, two-point conversions. Philadelphia on the season, they attempted nine, which was uh, 
two more than the next closest person attempting it, they, c they converted six, which is four more than the next closest converter. Should they need a two-point play or a little bit of trick or a little bit of something, they have some experience Kay. in these kind of short nugget. yardage situations. Well, uh, as exciting as that was, uh, I know everybody's waiting for what my pick is going to be because I am shallow. Uh, because I prefer corporate rock to all other music, uh, I am impressed by what's, brand names. What's corporate rock? Uh, just, you know, Ario Speedwagon. Oh, got it. Okay. That's actually not true. I don't like them. But, uh, <laughs> I just you know, it goes back to a, a theme that, that you've heard me say on this uh, podcast all season long. Uh, you, you give me Aaron Rodgers in a game, I'm taking the Packers. You give me Tom Brady in a game, I'm taking Tom Brady in a Super Bowl. I just, I can't. When they were down 10 against the Jaguars and everybody was freaking out and I was around a bunch of people because I was at my daughter's volleyball tournament and it was playing in the uh, the sports bar attached to the thing, I was like, they're not going to win. You, you know how this story ends because it ends the same way every single time. And that's how this story will end. Everybody's going to get excited because the Eagles are going to be up in the fourth quarter. And guess what? Tom Brady, much like uh, that dude in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, will take his hand, and he will reach into your chest. He will rip out your heart, and uh, he will put it in a paper bag, fold it up, and hand it to you. And I think I just merged Indiana Jones with Dumb and Dumber somehow. I think that works. But, um, yes, same, that's why same, I go. Same tonight. Yes. That was close. That's why I go with the Patriots. So we're a Patriots pod. Well, your tummy isn't. My tummy's not, but the rest I'm with of me math. Is. Me and math. M and you? M. <laughs> math and money. It's the math money smith. We go Patriots. Snap Stafford. Backpedals. Nice pocket. Waiting. Now it breaks down. And down he goes. Flashing in Mike Daniels. And he decks the quarterback back outside the 40-yard line near the 44. And it is fourth down, Detroit. Hey, look who's walking through the door, Money. Mike Daniels. Well, Cynthia, we are joined now uh, by a pro bowler, a man who has played in legendary stadiums like Lambeau Field and Kinnick, that glorious Kinnick Stadium in Iowa City by way of Cedar Rapids when you fly in on a regional jet and you just feel the collective hearts of those Iowa fans stop when a big game rolls into town. He's a man who knows the Midwest, and we're here in Minnesota celebrating him. It's the great Mike Daniels of the Green Bay Packers with us. How are you, Mike? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Doing well. Uh, are you intentionally wearing Iowa colors today? Now that you mention it, no, I'm not. <laughs> but it's so coincidence. It, I mean, it's, 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 it's in my blood. You, you, you know, like it just it's part of my being that it just accidentally comes out on its own. So yes, the black and gold. I am in gopher territory. You are. That's right. To yes. hell with Goldie the gopher. Yeah. What has he got? Who? who? It's a rodent. <laughs> see, same with a badger. And I live in Wisconsin. Oh, see, this is a good. See, now this is good because you. Uh, and see, then same with the Wolverine. I play in Detroit twice a year. Right. So if you're the Hawk. What about Northwestern? You're in Chicago twice a year, too. You're okay with Northwestern. Wildcat. Right? I'm still oh. taking the Hawk. You know, yeah. I mean, that's what that's what a Hawk feasts on. A red-tailed yeah. Hawk yeah. is just going to scoop up true. little rodents and this little dogs. True. I mean, that's what they feast on. This is true. That's good stuff, yes. Mike. That's very good. All right, Cynthia, go ahead, please. Proceed with the football. Well. Because this is all I'm going to do for the next 10 minutes right now. We're I mean, going to talk about anyways. Iowa Hawkeye. That's better stuff. anyways. Yeah, we would. <laughs> <laughs> so you know that you are, you are the subject of action. I don't know if you know it's my favorite game theory that I've done, but you are the subject of my favorite game theory because my contention last season, before last season, was that people didn't give you enough shine for how well – Exactly. So, when you can you explain to us like what what to look for when we see you number seventy six on the field, number one in your heart. Oh uh, well, first of all, <laughs> thank you. And uh, well, when you watch me, what you should expect to see is 
tough, hard, fundamental, dominant play. You should see plays where the offense had an idea of what they wanted to do. They called the play, and the play couldn't be fully executed because I did something to negatively, in their eyes, disrupt the play. Positive in ours, obviously. Right. So uh, th- th- there's plays where I'm knocking guys back, I'm hitting the other pulling guard, or I'm in the way of a pitch, and now the the uh, whoever the guy is get, getting the ball has to bow out even more. I'm, I'm, making, I'm constantly making running backs get off their path. You know, I get chipped. I get chipped by running backs. You, do you know get what I'm saying? Backs. Uh, a lot. <laughs> the, yeah, there's times where teams will do things to try to slow me down, where they can't just run the plays they want to run. They have to make plays where it's like, okay, how can we slow this guy down? You, you'll, you'll see that uh, pulling guards, and then here comes the center and the tackle, both sides and into me. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And then it'll be a pass play. So it, you see where I really just, I'm just a pain. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know that <laughs> gnat where you're constantly like, ah, ah. you can't even focus. Mm-hmm. Like, you're working outside, right? Yep. You got gnats and bees and flies. You just constantly swatting, like, ah, oh, they're just, See, that's the Midwest just in the way. Yeah. That's, that you're working outside, <laughs> right? You got all the bugs around you. Yes. That, that's what I'm saying. I'm, that's that's how the players and coaches feel. Like, gosh, we just yep. can't get rid of them. We can't. Uh, he's, he's just a pain. He's last, hard to do uh, last, like, seven, eight years, I mean, we have really seen a shift from valuing, and we still value the edge rusher, but the interior yes. defensive lineman that can create disruption has become kind of the premier thing for a Indeed. defense to build around. Um, how do you decide what type of defensive tackle you're going to be if you are going to be that pass rushing type? And you're a full service, so what, what yep. is the harder thing to do and what is the most important assignment that you have? The most important assignment I have is to knock back the guy across from me. If I can just take his body and get it in the way of the running back or get his body right in the face of the quarterback, I'm doing some sort of disruption, period. Uh, no quarterback wants to have to throw over top of a guy. A lot of these guards are about 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. No running back wants to have to change their course or bow you know, their path because – there's a big body in their face. There's been plenty of times where I've taken two guys and taken them back in the backfield with me. So my job is just to knock the guy back, get off and make a play. And sometimes making a play, well, a lot of times making a play isn't necessarily getting a sack or a tackle, but it's just getting the pressure. Right. Um, we talk a lot about that. You can pressure running backs too. That's mm-hmm. not a stat, obviously, and it'd be hard It'd be hard to track, but you can uh, make a running it. back. That's, <laughs> on this pod, we do we track pressures. See, but 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 you can pressure – you can right, make right. a running back hesitate his feet. Right. You can make a running back slow down. Mm-hmm. And that's my job is just to disrupt the play, and then all the guys around me will make the play if I'm not making it. Right. And see, that's why sometimes you don't get the shine that you maybe deserve because you're not the one who we see – tackle the running back who had the no. ball or whatever, but we your disruption caused that to happen. And the then sch- schematically, like, our guys up right. front, you know, they're – Dom Capers' defense, totally different. Yeah, yeah it's, yeah, it's definitely not for the guys up front. Now, it'll change with Coach Pettin. Yep. You know, he has a different philosophy. And all philosophies are good, you know, but uh, obviously that'll change with him. But the last six years, it was more, you know, take on a double team, uh, just try to create some pressure up the middle, create the pressure edge guys, get the sack, mm-hmm. blitzing – uh, DB gets the sack, blitzing inside linebacker, get the sack. Uh, run game, hold the double team. Inside linebacker, come downhill, make the tackle. Outside guy, set the edge, slip, make the tackle. So it's very, it's a very selfless job, but I've had a lot of success doing it. You yeah, know, you and um, <laughs> I, I, 
I play in any scheme. Mm-hmm. Seriously, and that's why I'm glad I had the opportunity to do that because it showed that uh, I could play in any scheme. And then, like I said, it's a selfless job, and it helps build camaraderie. You know, you get happy for other people's success. Most importantly, uh, defensive tackles when they come into the league, I believe you have a choice. I don't know, maybe the team puts it on you. But you have a choice of going in the low 90s or in the 70s. Uh how do you? He come means jersey number. In course. case, you, yes. How 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 do you come to the decision that you're going to be number seventy six instead of say number ninety one or something like that? Where where does that get all? Where how does that get handled? Let let me see. So, ninety ninety one ninety two retired Reggie White obviously. So there's that. Yeah. Ninety four ninety five ninety six. Seems like the edges 90. tend to get. So the, well, well, what happened is that every number ninety was taken, except for ninety nine, and I got drafted with a. Jarrell Worthy, who wore 99 in college, and he was a second-round pick. So the only number they had left for me was 76 because Chad Clifton had just retired. And I make it look good. That's right. I say, you know what, I'm going to take this number, this offensive lineman number, and I'm going to make it look great. I'm going to make it look good, man. Might be the best 76 ever. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, I, I want, I, I'm, not going deni- I'm not going to deny, debate, nor confirm that, <laughs> but I'm going to do everything I can to – Try to make the best 76 ever. What's your favorite uniform combo? Like, you you get to pick the uniform for the Packers. You want to go out with the green top and the gold pant. You want the white top. What do, what do you want? I have to go with that classic forest green and gold, man. That's 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 so iconic to be able to wear those colors, man. It's, it's, it's an honor and a privilege. So, uh, yeah, that, that, that's what I have to go with. That forest green and gold. What's the best opponent uniform in the, in the division? I'm just going Lions, oh, Vikings, Bears. Uh, pick any of their combos. Which one you like best? Well, the only team that's changing uniforms a lot have been the Vikings, but it's still been very – I mean, you can't really – Subtle. Change it too much. Right, subtle. I probably have to say I like the Bears because they switch it up. They throw that orange on, mm-hmm. and sometimes they go blue on blue. You know, so uh, I – I definitely have to say within the division, the Bears, and also they can still keep that iconic, you know, um, real deep, dark navy blue and orange. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, those are iconic colors. When those two colors get together, that deep, dark navy blue and orange with the forest green and yellow, that's 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 historic football right there. Absolutely. You know, longest standing rivalry in the history of the league. Absolutely. Favorite quarterback that you've sacked? Favorite? Oh, boy. Or, like, the favorite sack you've well, had? Well, I've sacked – both quarterbacks that are playing in this game coming up, and all three if you count the guy who just got hurt. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I definitely have to say Brady because. Because <laughs> why not? On, sacking Tom the best, Brady, right? man. Yeah, yeah sacking the best. you sacked why Tom you Brady. To? Absolutely. Easiest sack. If you were if you're in this game, who would you think you had the best chance of sacking in this game? Were you if you want if you're playing for the Eagles, if you're playing for New England? Like, so which O line do you think you could handle better? I definitely have to say the Patriots. Like I'm getting a Brady all day, just right in know, the middle, right, you know, in right, 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 right. I'm go- I'm coming out, and I say that because I've done it before. Mm-hmm. You right. know, now I did the same thing to Carson and uh, Nick Foles, but maybe it's because I just love the fact that I sacked Tom Brady. That's why I'm saying. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that is. And by the way, as Dave Damashek, who's in the room with us, just yep. let us Art know. Art Shell was the best 76. But but you that, can uh, I think you can catch Art Shell. Uh, I mean, Art Shell yeah. is fantastic. I think he's already got him. He's it'll, got him. It'll, oh, God. it'll take he's, a lot. It's going to take a minute. Look, no, he's I'll already got I'll let the him. people decide I'm, that. It's going to take a long time. You know. 
Plenty I of mean, years left. Yes. I'm, I'm, Thank you. No. You know what? That's Dave. See, he knows what he's Dave. talking oh, about. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Plenty of years. <laughs> uh, look, you said it, not me. I'll let you do it. Uh, when you're at Iowa. Yes. Iowa's interesting when it comes to the rivalries because you kind of touch all of the states around you. You've got U of I. You've got Wisconsin. You've got Minnesota. You've got Nebraska. What? What's the What's the one game that, that you got? You know, if it's Bear Week when you're the Packers or Packer Week when you're a Bear, you know that's the main rivalry. What is – what is the, the game that, that, that Iowa Hawkeye football get, freaks out the most over? Well, you have to go basically by the team that you dislike the most. And I'd have to say the fiercest rivalry we have is Iowa State. I was about to say that's that. That's the fiercest yeah. rivalry we have. Iowa State has played spoiler. That's, you know, yeah, you, yeah. you see, like, that's you can our, have this amazing season, and all of a sudden it's like, yes. you drop one to Iowa State. Yeah, so that's our fiercest rivalry. And our my favorite rivalry is Wisconsin because there's such similar programs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, that's that a robbery that I've grown to appreciate. Yeah. D line. Yep. You know, uh, what is it? Three yards in a cloud of dust type football, you know, basic defense. We're going to line up and just hit you. You know what I mean? My guys are better than your guys type football. You know what's interesting so. about Iowa State, too? A cyclone. So if you're a Hawkeye <laughs> and you're a Hawk, I mean, you're going to get those rodents. But if a cyclone rolls around, it's hard to battle that giant it gust hard of wind. To battle I mean, it a can cyclone. really whip you up. But, but it's funny because. I guess they're so jealous of the fact that we have that awesome Tiger Hawk that they got, like, this cardinal-looking thing within the cyclone. I'm like, where do you get a cardinal, like, a little – where do you get a bird from a from a tornado? Like that a tornado doesn't make one? sense. Makes no sense. Just be the same Incongruous. Get a cyclone, put some eyes on it, and give, give it some arms. You know what I mean? An anthropomorphic cyclone. That's we exactly can do that. Right. We can do exactly that, right? right. Exactly right. We can do that. anthropomorphic right. cyclone. And, by the way, of the, the Hawkeyes is actually a Native American tribe, not the, not an actual bird. So well, that's technically, that certainly we just learned a ton right my, now. Uh, yeah, yeah, that kind of throws things off a little. Yes, bit Yes, it here. does. Yes, it does. So we are more fear. Because I more think of the mascot on yeah. the side of your helmet is the bird. It you is. Know, yeah. It is. So, yeah, but, but double it's, entendre um, there. Yes. Th- thank you. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. You know. Or spirit animal. Maybe that's kind of how it works, right? Hawking. Works so, always. I, triple I entendre. Okay. I haven't fully done my research, but I do know that it is based off a Native American tribe. You seem like a man who does a lot of research. Yeah. I do. Does that I, mean, I really do, you know. Does that mean you watch a lot of film too? Is that it, like does that extend to all things? I do a lot of research on whatever I feel as though needs to be researched, and sometimes I just research random stuff like <laughs> Ferris wheels. You know now, what I'm saying? It's funny you mention that. Do you know? And because you're a man, <laughs> no, no, a, I, I don't know about Ferris wheels. Really? I just, I just threw that out there. But so how about tell this? Me, anyway. Just because Dave Damashek is here, the Ferris wheel uh, was introduced at the World's Columbian Fair in Chicago in the late 1800s. Originally, the centerpiece of that fair was going to be an even larger Eiffel Tower, which made its debut at the Paris World correct, Fair. Correct. But then this guy from Pittsburgh rolls into Chicago and says, "Uh-uh, I got something better for you." Check it out. It's this massive wheel. And the first Ferris wheel wasn't like two people sitting in an umbrella car. It was like a trolley car that you would see on a train on this massive set of two wheels that spun around and it would carry like 7,000 people at a time and rose over the skyline of Chicago. Why don't you do that again? Isn't like, we weird? have better technology. Right? Isn't we that bring weird that, back. that they would bring that back? Yeah. Bring that back. We no have one, better technology. Now. No one ever died on it or anything, but they said when it made No one ever died. No. That's more of a reason to bring it exactly. back. Exactly. You know what? No, 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 no. Don't, because we'll mess it up. <laughs> See, I can't do we'll, that. We'll Mike Daniels can do that. No, 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 no. You can, no, no, you no, can no. leave we'll, that charge. Leave it where it's at. We'll mess it up. Just like we tried. Just like pyramids. Leave them alone. <laughs> we, we can't do it. <laughs> leave it 
leave them alone. They, they, had, a di- alone. they had a different technology. Yes. Just like pyramids. I mean, we do have one in Long Beach, California, where the uh, Long Beach State 49ers play. The uh, the pyramid is the basketball arena. They but is it a real pyramid? No, See? it is not. All right. <laughs> no. All right, uh, I'm going to make him make a prediction, a yes. few predictions. Total sacks in this game by both teams. Total sacks? Yep. Like both by teams both teams combined. combined. Okay, so the Eagles are going to get like – Eagles are going to get five. Wow. Yep, okay. Why are you wild? I believe it. Eagles going to get five. Patriots will get – so four, so nine. Nine. Nine, nine sacks. Nine. Mike Daniels I'll calls it right now. Defensive Super Bowl. Defensive Super Bowl. Oh, oh, this is definitely going to. Yeah. Yes. Tom is greatness. Cox we can, know Tom is greatness. Yeah. But, okay, Fletcher. Fletcher. Brandon. Yep. Uh, uh, my man Vinny. Yeah. You know what I'm did saying? Did you play against Brandon Chris. in college? Were you yeah, yes, I did. Yep. yes, I did. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. And Graham he went was to a monster. Right. So, those guys with Kendricks coming downhill. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, yes, man, they're going to give that offensive line fits. And mm-hmm. then you look at the Patriots, the Patriot way, man. You look at a guy like Ricky Jean Francois, who I played with, really came along with these playoffs, uh-huh. you know. And my buddy Lawrence Guy, another guy I played with many moons ago, man. He's definitely found a home, mm-hmm. you know, in New England. So they they got th- those guys. I know one thing about those two guys; they have good grit. Yeah. When you have grit, you you people get tired of dealing with that all game. You constantly hit them those in their mouth every back. play. Those Nats are back. Yep. And the Patriots are Nats. Like, they are Nats. That whole team is Nats. And, <laughs> and they're, or they're Nats. That's just how it is. So, that's why <laughs> they will get some sacks off of just being a constant pester. Mm-hmm. They're just going to pester you, man. They're a true uh, renaissance, man. I believe uh, we will see you on Jeopardy, uh, an episode of yes! in the very, very possible. very near future. Yes. Uh, anything else you got going on while you're here, Mike? I'm just hanging out. Just hanging out. Mike, yeah, who's just, the winner? Get, get One more thing. cool people like you. Yeah, what's, who's the winner of the game? Who's the winner? Yeah. Uh, the city of Minneapolis. Oh, that's a great answer. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, you bought <laughs> – if I would have told you. All these fans. If I would have told you <laughs> in the 80s, hey, you know the Super Bowl's going to Minneapolis. Ah, yeah, all right. They're going to go to Miami, Arizona. No. Here no, we buddy. are. They, the, Minneapolis has won. They have won with the Super Bowl in their city. First of all, it's not like it's New York. Yes, it's cold in New York, but New York nope, is New not York. Like that. You know not I mean? like that. This is the Midwest. Right. You know what I'm saying? It, people don't really give these Midwestern cities the praise they deserve. That's right. So it constantly gets overlooked. Mm-hmm. And d- you bring the Super Bowl here? We Come aren't on, flyover man. states. There's no flyover on, states man. here. Not, Come on. Not, man. It's like it's like that when Detroit won. Oh, Jerome Bettis won. No, the city of Detroit won. Well, Fair. yes. Okay, Jerome well, Bettis also, is from Jerome Detroit. Bettis, so, yes. Jerome Bettis he, so he won. Yeah. He definitely won. Right, literally but won. Detroit <laughs> came in a close second. The city of Detroit <laughs> came in a close second. Well, you know, so, uh, yeah, Minneapolis has won. And I hope the people here really enjoy it. You know, unfortunately, the Vikings aren't in it. But I hope they really enjoy it, man, because it's a great experience, great atmosphere. You still see so many Vikings fans here. And I love it, man, because I love whenever people can get together and do what they enjoy, man. It, I see how it is. You know, I live in Green Bay. Yep. And when we lose, it's, it's tough, man. It's mm-hmm. tough. You know, you can just feel that down around the town, you know. And I, so I know how this city felt when the Vikings lost. And they're rivals, you know what I'm saying? So, obviously, I'm like, whatever. But we're still people. They, we're still people yeah. at the end if, of the day, if man. They I'm like, like, man. If you didn't that's, respect that's them, they wouldn't be a true rival, though. So, that's why you get Oh, no, it, right? absolutely. And, yeah. and it, funny thing about rivalries in the NFL, and it's funny because I had a bunch of us at the Pro Bowl talking about this. The teams that you supposed to be rivals with, the fans are more rivals than right. you are with right. the guys. You have rivalries with teams that you have beef with. Like we right. and the like you Packers and the Seahawks. The Packers and the Seahawks is a rivalry right, right now. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. In the 2010s, Packers and Seahawks is a rivalry starting from that fail Mary game. Oh, yeah. This whole decade, 
we have hated them, they have hated us, and I've loved it. Loved it. <laughs> See, that is, that is wisdom imparted upon our listeners as you depart. I mean, that is something yes. to leave them with. Hey, look, man, rivalries are made by the players on the field based on outcomes of games and consistent meetings that the NFL yeah. sets up year after year after year. And that's yeah, like, the, like uh, the, the, the Saints and the Vikings is going to be a rivalry right. in the next yep. couple of years. It is. Because that, that, the whole Adrian Peterson thing and all that, that happened at the beginning of the year, and they're upset, and then now with this playoff, oh, yeah. No, because they're, they're going to play each other again next year, I believe, and that's going to be some bad blood. We appreciate it, Mike. Thank you thanks so much. Thanks for stopping much. by. Thank you. Oh, yeah, no, thanks for having me. Well, this is something that's very easy for me to talk about because I have to wear dress shirts uh, here at NFL.com and NFL Network. It is very hard to find one that fits. Uh, here's great news, though, for me and all of you that got to wear dress shirts. How about ordering a custom fit shirt? It has never been easier. Proper cloth is where you want to go at propercloth.com. You can create a custom shirt size in seconds, uh, literally seconds, less than a minute, by answering just 10 simple questions. Not to mention, you get 20 collar styles, 10 cuff styles, 500 fabric styles, classic business to completely customize your shirt and get the style that you want. The team at Proper Cloth works with the best fabric producers from around the world. They only buy fabrics that meet their high-quality expectations. Each one of their shirts Goes through extensive quality control testing, so you are getting the absolute best quality and craftsmanship. And best of all, they guarantee, guarantee a perfect fit. That means if somehow that shirt does not fit perfectly, they'll remake it for free. This is the future of shirts. They are completely custom, and they start at just $80. Stop wearing shirts that don't fit. Look your best with a custom-fitted shirt. Go to propercloth.com theory propercloth.com slash theory. You enter the gift code theory, T-H-E-O-R-Y, and that's going to save you 20 bucks on your first shirt. Do it today, propercloth.com slash theory. Peterman drops the throw, throws it out to the right side. It is knocked and picked off by Jalen Ramsey. He tipped it in the air. He made a diving interception, and it's the Jaguars football at midfield. That is one of the most incredible athletic interceptions I have ever seen. And Jalen Ramsey, no surprise that he's the one that does it. All right, Cynthia, uh, we already had arguably the greatest defensive tackle join the pod today. Uh, So why not get arguably the greatest cornerback in the league to join us as well? A man who can speak to the war chant that shakes a stadium to its very foundation, a BCS champion, a man that played in the AFC championship game this year, the pride, the uh, I would say the jag with the largest claw and the loudest roar. It is uh, Jalen Ramsey on the Game Theory and Money podcast. What's happening, Jalen? Uh, what's up? What's up? Uh, you know, just trying to stay warm out here, like y'all said, in Minnesota. It's a little cold. How? You know what? Let's start there then, Jalen. Um, is there any truth to the idea that warm weather teams – have issues traveling to cold weather cities in the playoffs when temperatures will dip into perhaps the teens or single digits. Does that affect you at all? Um, me personally, it doesn't affect me just because, you know, I, I kind of think of it as a mind game. I think it's something that's in your mind. And nowadays with all the technology and all the stuff we have to stay warm, I mean, we have thermals, we have heated benches, we have, I mean – we even have chicken broth on the on the sidelines. Chicken broth. Like, yeah, so I mean, like it, to drink. It, yeah, to drink to like warm you up. 
I've never heard that before. Have you heard that before? Hey, whatever it takes, man. Whatever it takes. Do you wear the wetsuit? Like we saw that Tom Brady wears a wetsuit. Did you guys wear that? No, I, I don't I don't wear that. I'll wear long sleeves maybe. Um, long sleeves and tights and just sit on the heated benches until uh, the defense is up and maybe wear the coats that they give us. But I, I usually stay pretty warm. Awesome. I know that you, it's been, you know, two years since you were in college. And when we were going through the draft process about you, one of the cool things was that you played both safety and corner at Florida State. Do you think that playing both of those positions gave you an advantage, kind of transitioning into the NFL? Or, like, can you kind of describe that dynamic for us? Uh, yeah, I feel like I understand um, how to play with my safeties better uh, since I was I was a safety at one point in my football career. Uh, I kind of know what I was looking at at safety and kind of how I wanted my corner to play certain things. And so now reverse that I'm playing corner and I, I kind of think uh, that I have really good chemistry with my safeties, uh, T. Gip and Barry Church, because I kind of know what they're looking for. Uh, the communication is open, of course, but I feel like I know what they're looking for. I know when to take gambles, when to not take gambles, when they're going to have my back and when they're not. Did they, so we were, there's a, rumors before your game against the Patriots. Obviously, you know, we're talking about Patriots because of the Super Bowl. But there were rumors that you were going to line up against Gronk, and obviously he got hurt. But we were we were really – I was actually really looking forward to that because of your experience at safety and just how, like, great of a player you are. How We actually have a distinction on this pod. We call you a dirtball, and that is one of the highest honors we can bestow upon anyone. <laughs> it means that a quarterback actually has a better chance of getting a higher passer rating throwing the ball into the ground than they do throwing it into your coverage. So, again, it is a huge compliment. But we were really looking forward to see our, one of our, if not our favorite, dirtball go up against Gronk. Did, I mean, were you going to do that, or do you have any – is there any interesting um, thing there? You know, I, I guarded Gronk one time during that game, um, and I did I did a really good job on him. But other than that, uh, to Sean Gibson, he really wanted that challenge. Um, we do think that, you know, he is one of the best covering safeties in this league, bar nine. So, um, and it was crazy. We He didn't even practice the whole week because he, was in, uh, he had an ankle injury that he was uh, treating right. the whole week. Um, but when it came to game time, I mean, he is a dog. And when it came to game time, he said, hey, I want him still. So I said, all right, you got him. Um, if, you know, if need be, we'll, we'll make changes or whatever. But uh, you got him. We got trust in you. We think we, we think you can do it. We know you can do it, rather. Um, and he went out there and he did a good job on him. I think Gronk may have had one catch before he got injured. Um, but, I mean, he did a really good job on him. Jalen, we were uh, talking about this with some, some friends earlier on another podcast, on Dave Damashek's podcast, just, just it's about games against the Patriots. And, and as we try to project what's going to happen, we say, well, when you think about when the Chargers play them, they had a lead and they were gashed. And then the second half, the, the Patriots came back and won. And when the Falcons were in the Super Bowl, you know, they got that big lead and then the Patriots came. What, what is it about that team when, when they are down, you know, and you're a dominant defense and yet somehow, some way, that team always manages to eke out wins can can you put it into words how they do it and what the challenges are as a defender going up against that offense led by Tom Brady um you know man I can't really put it into words I was actually it's funny I was at the Pro Bowl uh this past weekend and I was talking to Vaughn about it and Vaughn was like man it's kind of like they have voodoo or something and, and that's, <laughs> that's like that's really what it feels like um you know just certain things things happen in the game that go in their favor that I mean you just don't see going other people's favor a lot of the times it's just like 
Uh, I mean, speaking specifically on our game, it was a it was a series right before half where uh, I mean we had been playing very good the whole first the first uh, half. They had three points, and then uh, I think we were up like fourteen to three. I want to say in that drive before half, we had got I think two or three uh, you know penalties that essentially you know walked them down the field into the into the goal line and then they scored um it was and it was it was kind of like stuff that could have go could have went either way you know so um just certain things go their way and then uh you know in the fourth quarter tom brady he is the goat of uh of what he does so he takes over and they just they just always find a way it is it's, it really feels like voodoo when you're going through it <laughs> Do you think in this game, are you more scared of, or I guess my my better question is, which team do you think we see has the interceptions, the turnovers? Do you think that the Patriots defense causes more turnovers, or do you think that the Eagles defense figures out a way to create some disruption? You know, I'm, I'm kind of biased on this, to be honest, just because, uh, you know, Ronald Darby, he's a close friend of mine, and, um, you know, back from my Florida State days, and, mm-hmm. and Nigel Bradham, and 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 P Rob's a Noel guy too, so I'm I'm rooting for them. I'm rooting for my Noles in this. Uh, I'm rooting for you know Derek Barnett. Me and him were high school teammates. Uh, Timmy Jernigan, college teammates. I'm rooting for all of them guys on the Philly defense to make a big play to impact this uh, Super Bowl. But at the same time, I mean the Patriots are so sound in what they do. Um, they have competitive corners. They have Malcolm Butler. Um, you know, according to Stefan Gilmore, he told me after the game that he was the best corner in the league. So what did you, him, what did you he, tell him back to that? Uh, I told him he wasn't <laughs> even the best on his team, but you know, I couldn't really, I couldn't really say much because, you know, they had just won the game, but I, I guess he felt he had to get that off his chest that he, you know, I guess he felt that he was the best corner in the league. So, uh, I'll give him that. So, um, but, but nevertheless, he is a good player. Um, I think Malcolm Butler is a heck of a competitor. They can both make plays and, um, you know, they're deep. Like I said, their defense is very sound. So I don't know. It could go either way, but I know I'm rooting for, uh, the Eagles. It just, uh, it just popped into my head here when you said that about, uh, Darby, did you, it, I, I assume you're, you're tight with PJ Williams. Like, would, would you reach out to him after that Stefan Diggs play and just kind of say, Hey man, that's, that's just as tough as it do. You leave him alone. Like, how does that work for college guys that play together when you see uh, bad things happening? Man, I, I, I left it alone. I didn't talk to anybody about it. Uh, n- literally nobody. Um, you know, I know quite a few players on that Saints, on that Saints team, on that Saints defense. Um, and offense, and I didn't talk to any of them about it. I, and and still, from this moment, I still I still won't bring it up. And by uh, the way, I don't want I want to make sure I'm I'm not putting Marcus Williams was the one that dove, but PJ was in coverage against Kyle Rudolph. He was the one that has back turned to him and just was kind of. I can't imagine what it was like being him watching that play unfold ten yards away, helping. Yeah, to do and he anything had such a good it. year too. Yeah. He had such a great year too. Yeah, that was that was tough. I mean, we were. And it was crazy. We had just landed from our game, so everybody was on their phones trying to trying to see, uh, you know, who won. And we saw that play, and we were just in shock. So, yeah. um, only can imagine how they felt. Jalen, what uh, one of the Jalen Ramsey uh, and Casey Hayward, a viral video that was making the rounds from the Pro Bowl. The two of you having a conversation about uh, who's the best. You said it with Stephon Gilmore. Something about your position. Everybody is is always kind of trying to figure out who the number one guy is. Is that 
is that kind of fun? Is there a, a little thread of seriousness that goes through all of that? And and I would assume you and Casey had quite a bit of time to hang out. Uh, is that a relationship yeah. that, that you guys have had for a while? Or, or what went into that conversation there? Uh, well, you know, um, you know, as corners, when you step on that field, you should think that you're the best. Um, that's part. That's of what we position. do with this pod. We think we're the best when we when we sit down and put the micro or the headphones on. See, there we yeah, go. Exactly. I feel like you have to have that confidence before anybody else can believe in you. You got to believe in yourself, you know. Um, so, with with most elite corners, they do have that feeling. They do have that mindset. Um, you know, some people, you know, just being real about it, they shouldn't. Who aren't in that discussion, they shouldn't think that. They shouldn't. Um, you know. It is what it is, but uh, with me and Casey, you know, like, you know, Stephen Gilmore, he, sh- he shouldn't have said that to me, but it doesn't matter. Um, me, and, me and Casey, though, uh, you know, I grew up in high school in Nashville at uh, Brentwood Academy, and I used to always come go to Vanderbilt games, and Casey Hayward was like the big-time Vanderbilt uh, corner at the time, so everybody used to always tell me, you know, watch this guy, watch this guy. I met him when I was like a freshman or sophomore in high school. And ever since then, I used to look up to him. And then, uh, you know, we have the same financial guys, same agent, same everything, really. And, um, you know, I always mess with Casey about it. And he's always messing with me about it. He always calling me the number two corner. I'm always calling him the number two corner. <laughs> but it was, it, you know, it was fun. I mean, not, not just me and Casey, but it's it's other guys who could easily consider themselves as the best corner in the league. I mean, you can never count out Pat Pete, uh, Key Tlaib, uh, you know, my teammate, A.J. Boyer. Um you know, Chris Harris with, uh, you know, keep to lead. Uh, Derek uh, Slay had a really big year this year. Uh, like, I'm sure I'm forgetting some Xavier people. Did you, like, did you like Marshawn yeah, Lattimore? Xavier, did you like Lattimore? Oh, Marshawn. I yeah. do. I like Marshawn's game a lot. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot. It's honestly a lot of guys. I think it's probably around a group of 10 guys. Um, but the rest of them cannot tell you that they're better than you. I mean, they can if they want to. It's just <laughs> they can you if know, they want to. <laughs> yeah, it's just not going to be much of a valid argument. But yeah, they can if they want to. Are you happy the uh, the the uniforms are going to be changed? Do you care what your helmet looks like? Because obviously, it was a very polarizing look in Jacksonville the last couple of years. Um, you know, a lot of guys around the league love our uniforms. Crazy. Uh, but for us, I know. Uh, we one we didn't like our color as uniforms those uh you know burnt mustard looking uniforms we didn't I'm like not those. sure anyone liked those yeah. yeah um and then our helmets I don't know if we really liked the two tone we we would have preferred like an all black or something like that so it's uh it's exciting to see what they have in store uh for for our uniforms this year awesome um Jalen before we let you can I ask you a really big favor when we're around in Minnesota what's up when can you teach me how to be a better trash talker. I can definitely do right, that. Perfect. I had to do that for Vaughn uh, in, in the in the Pro Bowl. He told me he didn't talk trash. I told him we had to we had to change that up a little bit. For who? Vaughn. Oh, for Vaughn, he doesn't talk any trash. That's what he claims. I don't but know I if think I think that... that's true. He might be like you know playing chicken with you to just to see. Yeah, he might be. But next year, I know he got his trash talking game will be up on another level. Well, I'm hoping to get that's where mine will go next year too, because I'm I'm not very good at trash talking. Like I think of it later <laughs> and then be like, I should have said this, but <laughs> I'm gonna need your help. <laughs> I got you. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. Enjoy your time here at the Super Bowl, and I'll, we'll see you around. Appreciate you.
Well, that was certainly a lineup worthy of a Super Bowl designation for a Game Theory Super and Pod Money Super Bowl podcast. A big thank you to Mike Daniels, to Jalen Ramsey, uh, to everybody that has helped out with the pod back in L.A. Our producer, John G. here, Emma VP, helping us out, of course, the man that looks at me with a steely gaze and wants me to get back on track, Mark Brady. We always appreciate him and uh, <laughs> and all who helped with today's pod. And a reminder, a big thank you to our friends at Proper Cloth. This is important because this episode of Game Theory and Money is brought to you by Proper Cloth, leader in men's custom shirts at propercloth.com. Ordering custom shirts has never been easier. You get it in under a minute. You will create your own custom shirt size. You answer 10 Easy questions. The shirts, they start at 80 bucks. They're delivered in just two weeks. And right now, for those premium quality shirts and perfect fitting shirts, go to propercloth.com. Use our gift code THEORY. And that's going to get you 20 bucks off your first custom shirt today. Uh, a big thank you to all of you for listening, for downloading. If you haven't subscribed Huge yet, thank you. please do. Subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. Leave us, if you don't mind, a rating and review on iTunes, as that will help us continue to grow the podcast. Uh, enjoy the Super Bowl. Enjoy your football offseason. We'll be back very soon. We will figure out uh, the structure of an offseason Game Theory and Money podcast, but it will be coming, so please pay attention. And you won't even have to pay attention because if you subscribe, it will just automatically download to your favorite device, uh, your preferred device, and that's the easiest way to go about it. So there we go. Uh, happy Super Bowl Sunday, everybody. Well, this is something that's very easy for me to talk about because I have to wear dress shirts uh, here at NFL.com and NFL Network. It is very hard to find one that fits. Uh, here's great news, though, for me and all of you that got to wear dress shirts. How about ordering a custom fit shirt? It has never been easier. Proper cloth is where you want to go at propercloth.com. You can create a custom shirt size in seconds, uh, literally seconds, less than a minute by answering just 10 simple questions, not to mention you get 20 collar styles, 10 cuff styles, 500 fabric styles, classic business to completely customize your shirt and get the style that you want. The team at Proper Cloth works with the best fabric producers from around the world. They only buy fabrics that meet their high quality expectations. Each one of their shirts goes through extensive quality control testing, so you are getting the absolute best quality and craftsmanship. And best of all, they guarantee Guarantee a perfect fit. That means if somehow that shirt does not fit perfectly, they'll remake it for free. This is the future of shirts. They are completely custom, and they start at just $80. Stop wearing shirts that don't fit. Look your best with a custom-fitted shirt. Go to propercloth.com theory. Propercloth.com theory. You enter the gift code theory, T-H-E-O-R-Y, and that's going to save you 20 bucks on your first shirt. Do it today, propercloth.com slash theory.